If you've come to this podcast seeing if you can figure out who has the inside track for this year's World Series. What? No. Oh, please. Come no, on. No. 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 What this is, is comedy. Tragedy. Marriage. Welcome to Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage, a podcast where a longtime married couple takes turns each week picking something to watch on one of the streaming services. It could be a movie, it could be a TV show, it could be a documentary, uh, whatever. And then we watch it together and then we discuss it. Uh, I am Stan the Movie Man. I review films when there are any in theaters uh, at StanTheMovieMan.com, also monthly for WIMZ.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Movie Man Stan, and you can follow the podcast at CT Marriage. Joined, as always, by my beautiful, lovely, talented, super sexy, oh extra, extra, extra thick. Yeah, you're pouring with, it on extra thick. With two C's. Uh, my better half. <laughs> Maud the Conflicted Broad. Hmm. 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 Well, um, and we'll find out why she's conflicted, as this week it was my choice uh, what to watch. And it took me a minute to figure out exactly what it was I wanted. I, I didn't know if I wanted to do something light or, you know, a, a romantic comedy or uh, something goofy, a goofy comedy or uh, a drama of some sort, and then I stumbled upon something I've been meaning to watch uh, for quite some time. It's a documentary called Three Identical Strangers. Uh, it's available to stream on Hulu, and you can rent it from all the various places. It is a documentary about three identical triplets, which has got to be extraordinarily rare. Um... I would think so. I'm not a scientist, so I really don't know. But um, yeah, it seems it seems pretty spectacular to me. Yeah, uh, it was uh, Eddie, David, and Bobby, um, and was it David that went off to college? No, no, it was we... Bobby. Okay, yeah, I've got it right here. Uh, Bobby uh, goes off to college when he is uh, 19 to a small community college, about an hour up. Uh, outside of where he lives in New York. He uh, arrives, but even though it's his first time at the school, a lot of people seem to know who he is and are welcoming him and hugging him, and girls are coming up to him and kissing him and saying they're so glad he's back. Eddie! Eddie! We thought Eddie. you weren't coming back, Eddie! What, but I'm not Eddie. Right. What, what's the deal? And he's just sort of wandering around what all of this is about, if this is some sort of elaborate prank or something. And he gets to his dorm room when he hears a knock on the door, and he turns around, and the guy who's standing there has this look of shock and amazement on his face. He is a friend of Eddie's, uh, who had gone there the year before. And the first thing he asked Bobby was, are you adopted? And, he, and Bobby said yes. And he asked him his birth date. And he told him the birth date. And he said, do you know what agency handled your adoption? And he gives him the name of the place that handled the adoption. And he says, you have a twin brother. And his name is Eddie. 
and we need to call him right now. So they get on the phone with him. Um, he uh, Bobby says hello, and he hears what he describes as his, his own, own voice. voice back to him. And they uh, they jump in the car. Bobby and this friend of Eddie's jump in the car, and they drive the two hours to uh, to uh, someplace on Long Island. Yeah, and uh, they go to Eddie's house, where. He walks up. He's about to knock on the door, and the door opens, and he is standing there. He said it was like, I'm looking at myself. Um, and uh, Bobby and Eddie are identical twins. And they have this, you know, unexpected reunion. Immediate rapport. Yes. Uh, they discover they have several things in common. Um and somebody contacts a reporter for the New York Post. He sends a reporter by plane, which he says back in the day when you could rent a plane to fly somewhere mm-hmm. in the old newspaper business, and uh, go check this out and see if it's a hoax. The reporter gets there and he says they are identical. So they write up a story and it's in the New York Post. Complete, I think it was complete with picture. Complete with picture. And like the next day. It's in the post, and somebody else sees it. Um, a um, the the other brother, uh, David, his mom, his right? Mo- his mom or his sister. Somebody sees it. You know, he. Well, I think he sees it, and then he goes home and shows it to her. But she throws a newspaper. Yeah, again. they're they've both seen it, and they're throwing the papers at each other. Like, and what is this? Their birth dates match up. They all were adopted from the same Jewish adoption agency in New York City. And if the faces weren't enough to convince them, um, the mom, I think it was, noticed the hands. Yes. Because they all had the same hands. Uh, they all have these big, thick, beefy Big, hands. Meaty, meaty paws. Like uh, somebody described them as like catcher's mitts yeah they're just big thick fingers and so he they all get in contact with each other now and they discover that they are in fact identical triplets all born on like june or july 21st july 12th 1961 and they and all placed through the same adoption agency and um it's this wondrous thing and they become almost instant celebrities they appear on various talk shows um, they even have a brief scene in a movie with the then unknown Madonna. Uh, they open a restaurant together, but there's there's questions about why this agency would split up triplets. And a reporter is uh, unrelated to the to the triplets is writing a story on uh, scientific studies of twins separated at birth. And he stumbles upon something that is both frustrating and terrifying, uh, terrifying, um, especially considering some of the people involved. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, The journalist's name um, is Lawrence Wright. He apparently is currently based in Austin, Texas. He was the one who um, was doing this research about twins. Right. Um, and, you know, it's, 
it's a it's a spectacular story to a point uh it's a it's a very it's an entertaining documentary just from the triplets just seeing them and seeing them interacting and granted obviously they were told you know they were told to dress or they decided to dress alike to really amp that up and you know they would um finish each other's sentences and they had the these things they had in common like they uh, all wrestled in high school they smoked the same brand of cigarettes they had similar tastes in women um and they were the modern day version of the you know circus freak show they they really they were obviously identical triplets the the resemblance was striking and even with um some differences in like their physical build there was one who was a little bulkier than the other two mm. it was very difficult for me to keep them straight oh yeah it it was the end of the documentary before i started to figure out okay that, that one's, one's Bobby. Bobby. That one's David. That one's David. That and, one's Eddie. And Eddie is that one. So. And um, they did tell an interesting story about that one of them had appendicitis but did not have insurance. So he went into the hospital as one of the others who was insured Yeah. and got his appendix I taken think, care I think of. he went in as Bobby. Yeah. So they hope that Bobby never has to actually have his have his appendix, appendix out because out. that would be a problem since he supposedly had it out before. <laughs> but they did be. they did the talk show circuit. They did news shows. They did Donahue. They were interviewed um, by Tom Brokaw, by Faith Daniels, by Paula Zahn. Um, they had quite the party day because when when they became acquainted with one another, it was 1980. Um, they were just entering into adulthood. At this point, their, you know, Studio 54 is at their beck and call, the Copa, um, they, they were living the new fame party drunk boy life. Yeah, and they took advantage of every opportunity they were given <laughs> well, to yeah. explore um, that, that life of uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Is As, one of yeah. Um, and they were having a blast, and they they got along they it was like they were three parts of a puzzle and they finally were together fit together and fit together and they made a whole um and it, it it's 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 a it's a happy documentary until we get to when they are running the restaurant together they started a restaurant called obviously triplets. triplets they had they they met their wives and each of them got married and started families mm. and you know walked into adulthood and it was it was some years between when they discovered one another until they opened the restaurant right it was like at least a decade i think the early 90s when the restaurant was opened and um you know it's a 2018 documentary I, I'm I'm sort of iffy on spoiling it or or not. Um, Meh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are things. There are things that come out about their adoption uh, and the adoption of others. Why they were separated. Why they were put with the families they, they were, were put, put with. with. Um, and I think we got a spoil. Okay. Okay. Spoiler alert. Um, the, the, the adoption agency 
which was run and funded by some very powerful people in New York politics and um, and others. It yeah. was a uh, it dealt mostly with unwed Jewish mothers who were pregnant um, and looking to give up their children, and there was. Uh, a uh, uh, was he Austrian? Austrian doctor? or German? Peter Neubauer. I think he was Austrian. Uh, there was an Austrian doctor who had survived the Holocaust. That's an important factor. Who uh, a, a psychologist who wanted to do this study of um, the influence of parenting on separated. Twins, um, and in this case, triplets. Right. Well, that was that was just you know a Yahtzee, but almost literally. But he uh, he was doing this study, and was was uh, he would go and visit the children at the adoptive parents' home, and well, he wouldn't. He would send he would a send research assistants to do that, and uh, you know give them various tests and and film them. As they played and make you know notes on their behavior and how they played and were they aggressive were they passive you know so on and so forth um, and it's creepy it is creepy because the parents weren't told that the child they had adopted was part of a set no and the parents when when the when the triplet men's parents found out, um, they were irate. Mm -hmm. They actually went in mass, the three couples of them, to the agency to find out what exactly is the deal here. And um, they left basically unsatisfied. Unsatisfied. Very little information. One father um, unwittingly leaves his umbrella behind because it's raining because it's raining and he goes back into the agency to retrieve his umbrella and sees the agency muckety mucks breaking open a bottle of champagne and celebrating he des he describes his father's reaction as if they had dodged a bullet mm -hmm. and they're celebrating the fact that they've pulled one over on these people and this is before we as the audience are aware of the study. Um, and how deep the creep factor goes. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, they talked to, the, the, the actual doctor has died. He died in 2008. Uh, but they talked to his nurse, or secretary, I guess is more accurate, uh, and one of the guys who was going around to the kids' homes taking notes doing the research yeah and it was um he says that it was basically his first job he was 24 at the time um he was with the study for less than a year mm -hmm. before they shut it down well i don't know i don't think they shut it down i think he moved on to just something he else. left uh because the study apparently went on until 1980 oh yeah 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 and he the, left and the triplets, much prior to that one of the triplets says i think when we started asking questions is when they shut it down yeah when they discovered um but you know the 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 secretary 
Research assistant is what she's called. Okay, the research assistant is, uh, you know, she's all about how important this research is and how um, these, uh, it's, you know, figuring out are we a product of our genes? Is, is our behavior more a product of our genes or is it something that we learn from how we're raised? Nature versus Nature nurture. Versus nurture. Um, and she apparently is all on the on the nature side. She says, you know, we want to think we are, we have free will and we make our own decisions, but uh, the genetics play a bigger role in what you do. It's some of it's preordained by by your genetics, um, and the way she describes it, and she says, well, you have to remember in the 1950s and 60s like just because you know it was 60 years ago um, that these um, the times were different and you know we didn't you know what she's basically saying is we didn't care that we were harming these children means, we needed we just wanted to study them. means to an end yeah her um her whole demeanor in this documentary, the footage that we see of her being interviewed, mm -hmm. she just comes off as very smug and um, completely unlikable as a human being. Yeah. Now, um, Google, doing a quick Google on her, um, she is an internationally recognized author, poet, and lecturer. She earned her master's degree at the age of 40 and her PhD at the age of 50. She has worked as an adjunct professor at the School of Social Work at San Diego State University and is a noted columnist. Um, she hung out in her elderly days with some high-powered people. Mm -hmm. She has pictures with the Obamas and, you know, she's politicians bud and all that and when she was 18 she had her photograph taken with errol flynn although at the time who she thought was a hoot yes at the time though she was probably too old for him uh, <laughs> <laughs> um anyway um uh yeah this once we start getting into the study the documentary takes a turn from being something that's sort of you know, happy. And this great reunion story. Joyful, um, to turning into something far more dark. Um, Sinister City. Yeah. And we learn as it goes along that um, other children in the study, there's, well, they only are able to talk to, to a, a set of twin sisters. One set of twin sisters, yes. Um, that mental health issues were common not only amongst the children who were adopted, but the parents of the children. The biological the parents. The biological parents. Um, and it's almost like that was the purpose of the study, to see if that mental illness got passed down. And does nurture overcome it? Yes. Or does nature prevail? Mm. And I think not drawing any scientific conclusions because I'm not a scientist, but I think that we see that both factors play in mm -hmm. to how these lives turned out. Um, and the, the research was completed in 1980 
and was put under seal and was stored at Yale University, where nobody was supposed to see it until 2066. Yeah, what was Dr. Neubauer trying to hide there? That just, that anything sealed like that for decades and decades and decades immediately um, raises my hackles. Well, I think the idea was that, well, there, there could be two things. He was either covering his own behind because he began to realize, well, maybe this wasn't the best idea I ever had. Uh, the pooch has been screwed. Yeah. Or it may have been something more altruistic, as in to protect the privacy of the people in the study, and then to wait until they had all passed away before the study would be released. Yes. Yeah, see, to my way of thinking, that is not altruistic at all. That is cover my ass and um, protect myself from liability. Which, no, this is Fifty Shades of Not Okay. I don't like it. It makes me mad. I, I completely agree. It also made the parents angry, uh, the ones who were still alive. and uh, Made the kids mad. Made the kids mad. Rightly so. And, uh, major spoiler alert here, one of the triplets committed suicide. Um, because he had probably what they referred to as, um, at the time as manic depression, and I think now we call bipolar disorder. Yes. His brothers both dealt with mental health is issues and um, institutions mm -hmm. prior to them meeting each other. And um, they... Their, their, their issues began to push them apart um, when they were running the restaurant? Yeah. Um, in all fairness, though, going into business with family is fraught with peril to begin with. Yeah. Going into the restaurant business, even with strangers, is fraught with peril. And going into the restaurant business with your brothers in New York City oh, dear has Lord. got to be the worst idea anyone ever had. Uh, Pretty much an uphill climb, for sure. They were extremely successful, if we are to believe what we're told. They, they First year, they, they did a million dollars. They did a million dollars in business. Now, how much of that went to the mob? Who knows? Oh, but, snap, you did not just go there. I'm afraid I did. I think you better take that back. <laughs> no, it's New York City in the 80s. Some of it went to the mob. Oh, so, uh, but yeah. I am not responsible for Stan. Mm. One of one of the brothers, Eddie, um, was dealing with significant um, mental health issues, and despite being hospitalized, he wound up killing himself. Um, which clearly, even though it happened decades ago, has still um, deeply affected his brothers. And their the their extended families as well. Yeah. Um, because their families didn't know each other either until they met. Yeah. And then they sort of became acquainted with with one another, and um, the the web of family it was like a ripple effect. Um. I'm mixing my metaphors. I'm sorry. Well, that's fine. Um. Uh, 
what did you think of the structure of this documentary as far as, you know, it's pretty chronological, really, you know, from their meeting to their celebrity to their establishing their families and then discovering the study and all of that. Uh, how did you, what did you, do you think it could have been built in a different way? Well, of course it could have been. Or should have been. I do not think that it should have been, and here is why. I think that the way, for me, the way that this thing was put together reeled me in like a fish. Um, you, you are in, you're in 1980, you're going with this boy to college, and that's where that part of the story starts. Mm -hmm. We do delve back in to past later. Mm -hmm. um, no, I think that it was very much like um, peeling the layers away from an onion. And so for me, the way that it was put together worked. I agree. I, uh, and I like that they let um, the boys and their families tell the story. They did a few recreations uh, of things that they obviously wouldn't have had any film of, um, but those are done uh, with the voices of the real people describing what happens. Yeah. Um, Narration over reenactment. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, and I actually prefer all of my, whether it's true crime or any kind of documentary, uh, like, you know, any kind of documentary. I, I prefer to hear it from the people. Sure. As opposed to a bunch of um, actors who look nothing like the people they're supposed to be playing. Um, telling the telling story. Telling the story. So, yeah, I, I like the structure of Three Identical Strangers. Uh, I liked, uh, while it's a sad story, I like the story. Um, you know, I think it needed to be told. Oh yeah. It, anything that gets this kind of a of of a angry reaction from me um, is a really good indicator that this is a story that needs to be out there um, because something people have been mistreated somehow, or there's something going on here that is not right, and this. Um, this is Fifty Shades of Wrong. Yeah. What happened to these. And not just, we see the triplet boys, we see the one pair of identical twin girls, and the research assistant said that there are, to his knowledge, at least another four. Now, is that four people, or is that four sets? M my understanding was that there were at least four other children in the study, so I'm thinking two more sets of twins okay. who don't know about each other. Yeah, this is, uh, he was speculating that there are that many, that, that there, there are two sets of twins out there who do not know they have a twin. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they talk about, I think with, it was Eddie, uh, talking about how he never felt like he fit in with his family. And I think... Having spoken with friends of mine who have been adopted, um, a lot of times adopted children do have sort of a sense that they somehow don't quite belong. 
or and and it's not it's not that their families don't include them i mean adopted children are chosen so that's a beautiful beautiful thing but a lot of times the adopted child is just very intuitive and somehow has a sixth inner sense that they are somehow different um the triplet boys were very fortunate that their families had had always been open with them about the fact that they had been chosen children. Mm. So it wasn't like some big bombshell happens when they turn 18 and it's like, oh my God, I was adopted. No, they grew up knowing. Yeah. So that was a gift to them that their parents had given. And, and still, even though Eddie knew, um, he still felt like there was he, still something missing he was outside of his family um, something that we forgot to mention is is that each of the three uh, boys was adopted by a family that had already adopted a daughter and the daughters were all the same age and the daughters were all the same age and they and were they all were, placed through the same agency exactly because they were part of the same study it's so it's creepy it's really creepy it's very um i don't want to trigger anybody here but it's very much like the kinds of nazi experiments that that we read about or hear about um i think david's aunt hetty said something that broke my heart she said um can you imagine the anxiety these the boys the the closest they can figure it is that the boys were separated at about six months of age she said they had to have horrible anxiety as babies having been together and then being torn apart two of the boys talked about that they would you know bang their head against the wall or bang their head against the crib or hold their breath until they passed out mm. as babies mm -hmm. and toddlers which is a thing you see from children who have been in uh, orphanages where they are not picked up where they aren't touched enough mm -hmm. especially early early on yeah um and you know, I suppose all things considered, the two surviving triplets are lucky that they have become, you know, sort of average, um, fairly well-adjusted people. They're, they're fortunate to be as whole and functional as they are, while acknowledging that they do both have issues. Mm -hmm. Um the thing that kind of troubled me is I, you know, the, the documentary doesn't say if they are at least in 28 or 17 whenever this was shot um, if they are still close or if they because um, Bobby um, kind of left the group well, he, there were differences in work ethics and work philosophy, so he bowed out of the restaurant biz. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, and we're not really explicitly told, did that rift continue? And the only time we see the two of them on screen together... Is toward the end. Is toward the end for about 
I don't know, 10 seconds. And they have this sort of very sort of awkward, it's good to see you. Good to see you. Good yeah. To see you too. So we wonder how long it's been since they have seen each other. And if, I mean, you know, I, I want them to have as much of that relationship back as they can. Because they, they seem to have so much fun with each other when they were when they first got together yeah i the the optimist in me sorry i'm moving around so if you hear wrestling that's that's maud trying to get comfortable um i i root for the underdog i i I get real mad if I see somebody being mistreated. And I'm sorry, but what happened to these families was cruel. I agree. I agree. It was, it's... So I hope that, I hope that Bobby and David have, have come to terms and made peace with, with themselves, with each other as much as possible as, as they could with what happened to them. Um, they were able finally to get some of the documents released, mm -hmm. heavily redacted. Mm -hmm. um, I ju that just crawls all over me like fire ants on somebody covered with honey. I am just livid. Yeah, it it seems like uh, you know a state representative or a congressman or a senator or somebody could get that stuff released. But apparently, the organization that has control of those documents um, is run by some very powerful and wealthy people. So, you know, there's some people were... in some there's some people in some more powerful people's pockets. Yeah. Um, so, in that way, and that is one of a couple of ways this documentary is very frustrating. Uh, I, like you, hate bullies and uh, root for the underdog and want the less powerful to come out on top every now and again. And we just don't get that, at least in any sort of satisfactory way here. Yeah, agreed. We'll talk more about Three Identical Strangers right after this. Welcome back to Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage, where we are discussing uh, the documentary Three Identical Strangers. You can find it on Hulu, or you can rent it from wherever you rent the stuff to stream. Um, all right, Three Identical Strangers, out of five stars, how many do you give it? Five. Five, yeah, me too. It's... I feel like it's beautifully crafted. I feel like it's well put together. I think it is I think it is created in a way to um, produce maximum emotional impact, which mm -hmm. is why I'm sitting here vibrating and trembling and glowing in the dark mad. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wish for a happy ending. We don't necessarily get that, but sometimes life is just not that way that's right that's... but this was a story that needed to be told yeah um i you know all of my um well wishes go to the boys or the boys they're my age they're actually a little older than me um but um i hope they find 
some piece um, in what information they can get out of the study and that they um, can come to terms with what was done to them. Um, it, earlier in the, you know, you talked about, um, well, we talked about how the doctor was a um, Holocaust survivor from um, Austria. And, you know, the Nazis had kind of a weird interest in twins as well. Um, uh, you know, it's just, it's, there's just so much here that's ooky. It, yeah, there's a... Just makes your skin crawl. It's, there's a high creep factor here. So yeah. you got to be in the right mood for this. Well, I don't know if you can ever be in the right mood for those parts of this documentary, but... Um, yeah, it's it, it. I think it's terrific. As Maude has said, it's a story that needs to be told and seen. Very thought provoking. And um, um, you know, check it out. It's on Hulu. We both recommend it. Three identical strangers. All right. What else have you watched since the last time we got together? Okay, we did our normal last night thing, which yes, has become Perry Mason. I'll be gone in the dark, and last night we did have another John Oliver again. Yeah, he took last a, week tonight. He took a couple of weeks off, well deserved. Um, came back with vigor. Mm -hmm. um, I just I love that dude. He's just he's funny and profane and smart, and um, I would like to be him when I grow up because he says the stuff I'm thinking and he gets away with it and he gets paid. <laughs> OMG, y'all! Yeah. Oliver is is terrific. Um, yeah, I I wish he was on seven nights a week um, because he, you know, granted, probably he and I agree quite a bit politically, but um, he also doesn't mind knocking people uh, that I might agree with down a peg or two. Uh, when they need it and deserve yeah. it. Um, so, you know, John Oliver, last week tonight, cannot recommend it enough. It's always thought-provoking, and it's always funny, even when it's about something deadly serious. Um, for instance, on the last episode, he's got uh, some short videos that he got some celebrities to record about, um, um, you know coronavirus um, misinformation and conspiracy theories fact and checking how stupid some of them are mm -hmm. um, and and all the rest of it so check yourself yeah uh, oh by the way uh, there's a podcast on a semi-related note uh, called skeptoid and they're very short it's only about 15 to 20 minutes long um, and uh, one of their recent episodes was about debunking the, um, uh, you know, the theory that the vaccine's going to contain a tracer and Ugh, they're going to uh, follow us around or whatever. Please. Um, so, yeah, uh, he pretty much rips that one to shreds with, with facts. I know that annoys people, but... Um, he he the the skeptoid podcast is smart and well done and will not take up too much of your time so if you've got 15 or 20 minutes check out skeptoid um so that was but that's one of the vaccine thing that's one of the 
conspiracy theories with that, um, which is also discussed in on last week tonight briefly. But yeah, that and the 5G and that it's uh, somehow weaponized uh, from a, a lab in China or that um, it's just out and out fake. Um, you know. Okay, please. Look, um, if you if you think it is fake, please don't wear a mask. Please go to the hospital and visit people. Maybe you'll get it. And like the guy who thought it was overblown that they have on last week tonight, who whose wife is on a ventilator, and he's uh, barely able to finish a sentence because his lungs are so damaged mm. from COVID nineteen that he you know he he's he's on oxygen all the time so feel free it would probably be best to thin the stupid herd down a little bit <laughs> my god you just went there i don't care if you are dumb enough to think it is fake or you're dumb enough to think it's not that bad or if you're dumb enough to think well i don't have any pre-existing conditions i'm not old i'm not uh you know i don't have a disease I'm not immunocompromised, whatever. If you think it's just the flu or you think it's just a cold, by all means, catch it. I encourage you. Snap. Please. Please. We need some, uh, what are they, the Darwin Awards for people who are Mm. too stupid to reproduce or be allowed to reproduce? Anyway, sorry. Got on my soapbox there for a minute. That's okay. You know what? We are entitled, I think, to be a little upset, those of us who live where we do, because right now where we live in East Tennessee, um, in our county, cases are spiking. Yeah. And, you know, national teams of healthcare people have been sent here, and they're making recommendations as to how Knox County, Tennessee can um, or needs to proceed with caution and masking and all of the things. And so... Yeah, and anybody who thinks that this is just politically motivated, well, you know, the whole world is not going to cooperate just to see a presidential election turn one way or the other. So that fact check, fact check numerous sources. Don't get all your news and information from just one place. Um. Or from your uh, aunt's um, best friend um, who posts on Facebook. She, she, trust me, she doesn't know anything. Yeah, um, there's, you know, information from, like, the World Health Organization and um, Dr. Anthony Fauci and um, the CDC. But then, you know, there's also Bubba on Facebook. And so, you know, who do you believe? The guy who's, uh, you know the leader in infectious disease or Bubba, Bubba. on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows the things and can, <laughs> you know, he's a wizard with your carburetor. That's true. Um, anyway, I wish I could call him what, uh, John Oliver did, but I'm going to, we can't, I'm going to let that one go. We'll have to pay fines. S- let's move on. I want to go back to our true crime a little bit. Okay. Um, we have been following eagerly every week, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, Mm -hmm. which is the story of Michelle McNamara's writing the book of the same name as she 
chronicles not only the case of the Golden State Killer, but her gradual descent and immersion into the case of the Golden State Killer. Mm-hmm. Um, this week's episode broke my heart in 11 different places because we see what eventually happened to her. I mean, we don't literally see it, right. but we, we find out what eventually happened to her. And they've been dropping little hints. I mean, we all know what happened. Right. But they've been foreshadowing it. Using, like, emails and text messages. Oh, my God. The text bubbles between her and Patton at the very end, that's what got me. Uh-huh. It, because looking, looking into such an intimate, personal part of their lives with their text messages back and forth, mm-hmm. and then hearing his voice on the 911 call. Mm-hmm shattered yeah it's, just shattered it is uh, i've been dreading that moment and also expecting it because i knew she passed away well, suddenly I, I, wondering how they were going to handle it and they are very unflinching about that yeah and, and as i said they've been dropping little hints because she's asking about various prescription drugs and you know could i she's asking for Patton's mother's something or other. Yeah, she's talking about, does anybody have anything? I'm feeling Xanaxy without Xanax. Yeah. Or, you know, if anybody has any um, any Percocet-y something, because she is so in, invested and so immersed in the gory details of this case that she can't sleep. Yeah. And she has vivid nightmares. Vivid nightmares when she does sleep. Um, so, yeah. They've been, like I said, uh, they've been, been foreshadowing. clues here and there of what was going to happen. And then at the end of the, what, that was the fourth episode? I think so. Yeah. Uh, it happened. So, we'll get into the aftermath of that on um, in the fifth next episode. Week. On next week. So, yeah. But we'll also be getting into, uh, finally unmasking the golden state killer and that'll be well because we catch a break yes we do um we watched what was that woman's the the stand-up comedian's name (laughs) it looks like urzilla but it's urzilla carlson and her comedy special was called an overqualified loser and i snaffled (laughs) it was she's really funny she's really she's vulgar uh but she's very funny she She's Australian. Up, well, she grew up or New Zealand. She grew up on a farm in South Africa. Well, yeah. She was born in South Africa, but has, I guess, the family immigrated to New Zealand um, or South or Australia. Um, I think her partner is from New Zealand. Okay. And, her wife. Yes, and uh, it was. She is hilarious, and I'd never heard of her before, and I think it was the name. That just got me, her name, that got me interested. Uh, What's because, an Urzilla? Yeah, it looks like, it's, <laughs> it's like Godzilla, except it looks like Urzilla. Urzilla. But, um, oh but my it's gosh, Urzilla. She's funny. And, yeah, she's very funny. Very funny. Again. Vulgar, but funny. Yeah, not for the children, because no. dirty language and stuff, but oh my gosh. Also saw Jim Jeffries' new special, also on Netflix. Uh, also not for children. Um... There was a couple of lines in there about fat people I didn't much care about. Well, was but, he the one in the suit? Uh, well, he was the other Australian um, walking around. 
Um, I'm not remembering him. He may have been snoozing, but yeah, it it it's his most recent special. I don't remember the name of it, but uh, yeah, it's on Netflix. Uh, he does a segment about um, that you can't make fun of fat people, and it's like, all right, Jim, you know. I mean, he talks he talks about if somebody who smokes, you can make fun of them. Somebody who does a line of cocaine, you can make fun of them. Look, Jim, you you don't. There is no recommended daily allowance of cigarette or cocaine. Food, on the other hand, you kind of have to have, which makes losing weight difficult. I am saying this as somebody who is fat. I am a lifelong fluffy person. Yes. So do, do not pee on my leg and try to tell me it's raining. And yes, I borrowed that title from Judge Judy, but the woman was genius when she came up with that. So so I, I, I enjoyed the special, thought it was funny could have used less of the you know the the two minutes of the fat talk that could have been cut out but uh otherwise yeah jim jeffries i think is very funny also very vulgar but uh, also on netflix um and we watched for the love of spock which was a documentary about leonard nimoy produced by his son adam, adam nimoy he was working on it prior to his father's death and then once uh the documentary was originally just supposed to be about Spock, the character, and his uh, the effect it had on his father's life and career. Mm-hmm. But he decided to expand it to be more biographical. So it starts out from his birth. Um, I'm sorry, Boston. I'm yawning. He, I believe he was from Boston. No, Leonard Nimoy was from Boston, I believe. And it covers his family and him coming out west and getting little bit parts and appearing in a, uh, a series that was uh, created by Gene Roddenberry. It was uh, some sort of detective thing that didn't go. And then Gene um, put him in Star Trek, and the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, it's, it's interesting to get a look behind the, you know, the pointed ears and the, uh, and the uh, emotionless demeanor of the character of Spock. And they, there's a, a brief clip of Adam as a child uh, walking onto the set with the pointed ears uh, saying, Hi, Daddy! And everybody's just laughing. Having yeah. A good time. Um, it, it, it goes beyond just, just the biographical to um, encompass just how much Spock's character and Star Trek in general... Um, their impact on pop culture in mm. America and throughout the world. It was really cool. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's an enlightening documentary about uh, Leonard Nimoy. And, um, you know, his life wasn't a bed of roses, and neither was Adam's. Uh, no. Despite having a famous father, or perhaps because he had a famous father. Um, it's, it, it's interesting to see how... His co-stars and um, other people um, in entertainment and the writers and all of that stuff, how, you know, they they all have very warm memories of, of course, now, <laughs> I don't know that you'd tell uh, the actor's son that the actor father was uh, a jerk, a, a, an idiot, but... Uh, the, it's all very warm and loving, and, and uh, as somebody who uh, first saw Star Trek 
uh, in its original run. I think I maybe saw one episode in its original run when my mom and dad were over at uh, some friend's house and they sat me down in front of the TV because they knew they'd keep me out of their hair. The Beckers, I'm sure. No, it wasn't the Beckers. Really? I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Okay. Um, um, it was a good guess, though. Very good guess. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, and I saw this thing with the spaceship and this guy with pointy ears and and the guy that talked like this. And um, just... The die was, was cast for you. Pretty much. And then it showed up on reruns uh, on local channel. And it was like, yeah, man, uh, yeah. give me more of this. And they could only give me so much until the movie in 79. And, you know, it's it was... The it, documentary it was, is very cool. Yeah, it was very um, influential on me. Um, and I enjoyed seeing his life from you know the other side of the character so uh it's called for the love of spock it's on netflix we watch anything else i don't think so okay well definitely check out three identical strangers um on uh hulu or rent it wherever you rent your video on demand uh we highly recommend ursula and um uh, and Jim Jeffries, to an extent. Um, <laughs> okay. And, oh, what was that thing, that outdoor um, survival Oh, Lord, it was like garbage. Mythbusters for Bubba's. Yeah. It w I, no. Yeah, I, well, the, the episode was 32 minutes long. I thought, how bad can this be? Well, I found out. <laughs> um, it wasn't bad. It was just it didn't bring anything new to the party. So, I my time is better spent elsewhere. Yeah, it uh, it was just sort of meh. Yeah, I mean it's not offensive. It's just it was just sort of. It was a little stereotypical. A, a little. They were reveling in their white trashness, um, and you know. Although they did show some things that would be helpful in a fire, uh, assuming they actually worked the way they were shown yeah. in, in, the, in the show. And I cannot find it right now. So, um, But, you know, it's on Netflix. You can check that out there. Oh, we watched... Um, we got to hurry. Uh, yeah. We watched... We're running long. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, what was it? Um, I don't know. Uh, about the transgender. Community. Oh, disclosure. Disclosure. Thank you. We need to talk. We need to table that for next week because that 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 could be an episode in and that of needs some unpacking. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, we watch that. That is on uh, Netflix as well, um, and it's really good. Um, and it it gives you a broader view of the history, not only of of uh, transgendered people in entertainment but also in society um and we deal a lot with trans women of color yes um who are most often the victims of homicide um in yeah. the transgender community so we we may we'll talk about talk that about next that time some other time but uh yeah check that out all right i think we're done yeah three identical strangers on hulu check that out it's very good um, and um, if you have a suggestion for something for us to watch, feel free to send that to us. We have an email address. It is comedy tragedy marriage at gmail.com. 
tell us what it is you think we should watch and why you think we should watch it. Um, if you want to follow the podcast, you can do so on Twitter at CT Marriage. Follow me at Movie Man Stan. Um, and I guess I'll do it for this week. Okay. All right. Love you. Love you too. And until next time. Later. later. Yay!